That's it to right field. Long run for Pilar. And Pilar all out into foul territory to make the play. Bogarts with a drive out to right field. Judges back on it, and that one's gone. Against all odds. Here's a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up. He caught it. He caught the ball. He took it back. And I will keep on waiting for a better day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the greatest show or at least Red Sox show, ever invented. Screw the Gone Bridge Boys. Well, I'll give it a second behind seconds to 10. Screw the Gone Bridge Boys, the pesky poll podcast. How you guys doing today? Joining me is the beautiful bastard himself. Legend says that he once streaked completely naked on MetLife Stadium, and instead of going to jail, the Jets offered him a 10-day. Legend says he tried to take Giselle from Tom Brady, and he was slightly successful. In a one-night stand, can you confirm nor deny? Deny. You sure about that? Sure. We have the legend, the host of the show, down to the wire, Mr. Brian Kostev. Brian, what's good? Rob, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back on the show with you, man. It has been uh, quite some time. Yeah, it has been a minute, so I'm glad to be able to be in touch with you. I, I mean, listen, man, last time last time I think we talked, you know, you were going to be up here in Rhode Island with me, and then next thing I know, you're you're making moves out in Denver. Hey, hey, things things change. I was maybe talking with a small uh, – for the people who don't know, I for my main job, I'm a professional ballet dancer. I was looking at a company up in Rhode Island to maybe spend the year with and train with them. Then I got this call from this company out here in Denver, and hey. That was gonna pay me, and you know, money talks, right? <laughs> it it definitely does talk. So I'm not gonna it's, I'm not gonna go against that. I would I would have never thought I would have moved west like this far west. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let me just say before we start, there's only five places that I will never ever move to. Yeah. New Jersey, been there. Screw that. <laughs> New York, maybe upstate, but nah. What about Long Island? No, nah, hell no, oh, dude. Listen, you're missing out. <laughs> no uh washington the state yes not dc it only rains people are weird california <laughs> people are just weird and what was the fifth one that i'm forgetting uh i don't know i think there's only four yeah those would be the four and probably alaska okay yeah okay those would be my five any places you would never ever move to in the states Ah, uh, I, I like to stay out of cities. Like, I mean, I, I like going to the city to do stuff. I like, you know, obviously if, whether that be Boston or, or NYC or whatever it be, uh, you know, I, I, I like going into the city, but I don't really like the aspect of living there. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's kind of been my big thing. I, I've, I've never been, I mean, maybe down the line, I become kind of an apartment type of guy, but, uh, I don't know. I'd have to see. I, I kind of like the I, I kind of like the suburbs a little bit more. Obviously, it's kind of what I've grown up with, so it's you know more what I'm used to. But I don't know. I I I like to live on the outskirts of a city rather than just kind of be in the heart of it. And you know, I don't know. I feel like that would kind of be a, a bit much for me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm the same way as you. I mean, I only had a small amount of time to find a place out here, so the only place I found was a nice little apartment. On the, I mean, I'm kind of. I mean, you okay. can't you, you can't hate that. Yeah, I'm kind of on the outskirts of the city. 
Okay. I'm within walking distance of Empower Stadium, by the way. I'll let you blink one time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I could literally walk there if I wanted to. It's four or five miles right up the road. I'm on the same road as Empower. That's crazy. It's crazy. But anyway, we have some Red Sox news, uh, some basic MLB transactions, and a lockout. Yes. (laughs) Right. Uh, So let's start off with the Red Sox before the lockout. We'll get into the rest of the MLB transactions because we had some big ones come through Mm -hmm. right after. We're going to go through each of these, and I kind of want to just get your basic opinion on each of them. Okay? Okay. Shoot. Well, at least the ones that are relevant. Yeah. First one that I got to talk about, Erod. Mm. Now, what was it? A five-year... 77 mil. Five, I believe seven, five for 77 to the Tigers. Tigers have been making moves. They have been making moves, obviously. All still miss the playoffs, but, you know, oh, yeah, no, they're making moves. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really going to be a matter of time to really see what happens with them. But, you know, obviously, went out, got Erod, went out, got Javi Baez and additional moves on top of that. But uh, listen, l- let me just say straight up right, right now for Erod, I would have done three years. I would have considered that five years for 77 million. I mean, how old is he now? Like 28? I think, I think, I think so. I mean, he, he's older now at this point. And I look at the move with Erod and I'm just like, listen, 20, love yeah. Erod. Yeah. He's 28 years old. So this will take him till he's about 33 years old. This is what this deal will do. But with all the health injuries I've seen with Erod, I would almost consider adding on three years to what, to what his shelf, to what you expect a normal, normal player's shelf life to be. So I'd almost treat him as if he's 31 essentially right now, because of all he's been through with the heart, with the heart problems, with everything else involved with him. And I just don't see the upside with giving with giving anything to Erod more than a three-year deal. I mean, I know he has some opt-outs with the Tigers. I don't think he'll be taking those because I think down the line, well, I think down the line as well, you're also going to see his numbers eventually start to come down as he gets as he gets into his 30s. So listen, it, it's a tough it's a tough break for the Red Sox, but for that price, I I, I can't blame him for not wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. No, I don't blame him at all. I mean, sometimes, like I said, that's the show. It's a lot more money than I was talking about, but you got to chase the money. Mm. When the money's there, you chase it. Yeah, I just absolutely. don't see because I've been saying this since the Red Sox really hit their stride. Yeah, in the regular season last year, mm-hmm. we were a shilling away. Erod was our three. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how you let that guy go, with with you being such a contender. I see. I, I here's the thing though. I've seen Erod as more expendable over these past few years as a lot as more people would like to believe. I listen. Love myself at Water Rodriguez when he first came up here in 2015 and had his debut against the Texas Rangers. The man was dealing, and everyone mm-hmm. and everyone had the idea that this man would eventually be the future ace of the Boston Red Sox, regardless of regardless of uh, if uh, Henry Owens was to pan out, regardless of of if whoever was gonna no. you know be, be their deal for the Red Sox. People were saying there's a chance that Water Rodriguez could be the ace for the Boston Red Sox, mm-hmm. and for a little bit of time that was the case. But the more I get into it, I, I mean, he has he's had a career ERA more near the fours than than not, and. I don't know with the injuries and with everything he's had over the past couple of years, he's kind of made himself expendable. The other thing about him too, which I haven't, I haven't been the biggest fan of is it seems that whether one way or the other, he kind of lets emotions get the best of him. Yes. And, 
And I'm not even talking about this year with him pointing at the watch, doing that stuff. Obviously, that's a big thing. And whether you want to say that swung the series one way or the other. No, that I, I, I again, even... regard. Yeah. Regardless of whether you want to say that or not, I, I'm not necessarily saying that is the deciding factor. But regardless of that, that isn't the only example of of when he's done this. I think back to the 2018 World Series when we were facing off off against the Dodgers. And man, when I tell you Yasiel Puig just absolutely didn't absolutely just obliterated a baseball. He destroyed this thing and sent it into the stands at Dodger stadium. Mm-hmm. And I just have the, I, during that highlight, I just have ingrained in my mind Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound, just like Gronk spiking his glove into the dirt. And listen, while I love passion for most guys, it's clear that sometimes the, it's some, it's clear that in big situations, he can let his emotions can get the best of him. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm a hundred percent there with you. When you talk about the Correa thing or the watch thing, I was all for that. Win or lose the series, I loved that moment because it's just a spike back at the guys. I mean, Adam made a good point of you let your you let your actions do the talking, and yeah. you you can talk that shit when the series is done. Here, here's the thing with that too. I, I, I don't mind if Eduardo Rodriguez is pointing at his watch or they're, or they're making fun of the red or they're making fun of the Astros or trying to get it get under them. But you had these guys dead in the water. They had no life and they had zero reason to have any life is, you know, the way I look at it. Do that. If you if you were to do that in the dugout or do it in the clubhouse and, you know, walk in as soon walk in after the dub and, and, and just go, oh, guess whose time it is now and do that. I, I, I'd i be all for that because it's not Carlos Correa isn't getting us isn't getting that that in that. He's not seeing that the Astros aren't seeing that. So I'm just like. I feel like that could have been handled better. But again, I think that the Red Sox offense just going cold also had to also had to do with them in yeah. that series. Yeah, 100%. By the way, um, last thing we'll say about that series, we can just completely agree. Uh, Kike Hernandez is a certified goon. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, Adam Ottavino going in free agency. Has he signed anywhere? Not, not to my knowledge, no. Let me just check that. But how do you feel about him headed out? He's heading out. It's going to be a tough break for us, especially because I, for, I mean, for the last five or so years now, our red, the Red Sox bullpen has been anything but a certainty. And I know that across major league baseball bullpens in general, that you can never really be too certain with guys, but for the Red Sox bullpen, even during the 2018 postseason, everyone like everyone like to kind of hype up the guys on that roster. But let's be real here. Joe Kelly wasn't doing that throughout the regular season for the Red Sox. He did turn it on in October and he became another guy. But throughout the throughout the eh, throughout the big portion of the regular season, the Red Sox bullpen was nowhere close to that. And you, you've been you've seen it now carry over for three years now where there's been a lot of uncertainty in that bullpen. While Adovino isn't exactly the guy he was with Colorado all those years ago. He oh, still has some level of consistency. And I, I like to see if they could, if there's a number that, you know, is reasonable for them to bring him back. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Shaw. Gone. Travis Shaw. I, yeah, we, I, we <sighs> let me, let me just say this before you say anything. Travis Shaw, when he got signed, I said he was going to be a guy that came up in September, you know, had a couple at bats. We'd have that good old fashioned hit of nostalgia. And we <laughs> called it a day. Yeah. You know, um, no, he had some pretty damn big at bats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like he just came. He came out of nowhere. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, with Travis Shaw, if there's a chance you get him on it, like a minor league deal, something like that, because in, in, in the 
if in the eyes of the MLB owners that if he didn't somehow rebuild his value in, in a way and you can get him on a cheap deal, then hell, go for it and get him on a cheap deal and have him as one of your bench guys. But I I don't see I don't see Hyman and and those guys keeping him on. Yeah, no, maybe as a um maybe as a bench guy, a guy you swing between the minor leagues and up when injuries come up through because yeah. he is a decent utility player. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but I feel that another team, aka maybe the Tigers or the Royals or the Orioles or a lower team like that will throw him a little bit more of a bag and a little bit more of a role yeah. to convince him to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, uh, Danny Santana and Hansel Robles, so we can kind of skip because those guys Yeah, are. We, we can fire those guys into the sun. <laughs> I don't need to see those guys ever again in a uh, on the big leagues. Listen, Danny Santana, Hall of Famer for the Worcester Red Sox. The Worcester Red Sox. Keep him there. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, had a I was interested in what he could do when he got called up, but it, he's he, a four he a, he, he's a four A player. Yeah, he did very well in the start. I remember that because he got called up in July, mm-hmm. and I looked at my phone and I saw the Red Sox starting lineup at night. I looked and I said, "Who <laughs> in the blue hell is Danny Santana?" <laughs> and then the dude hit a homer that night. Mm-hmm. Like, Hello. Yeah, okay, I, I got a chance. I did get a chance to see him down at down in AAA, and he actually looked legit down there. Obviously, there's a big gap, but I listen. I I can do without those guys, and I can definitely do without Hanzo freaking Robles. I cannot stand the man, oh and I'm God. just like, I saw people trying to defend him with like with advanced metrics and saying, well, if you put him in this inning against these types of hitters, and you try to you know, and you keep him on this type of a pitch, of a pitch count, he actually only gives up about three runs a game instead of five. I'm like. I'm like I don't want any. I don't want him. He isn't good. He's mm-hmm. a he is a the a traditional mop up player. And listen, while every team kind of needs a guy like that, we don't need Hansel Robles. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Next guy, we need to bring him back. Schwarber. Why do yeah. I say we have to bring him back? We need it's him because back. at the time of the trade, it was such a low risk high reward kind of thing yes it was just a, if he's hurt for the rest of the year we can go without because uh, we dropped Marwin Gonzalez to make room mm-hmm. for him yeah we can, this team without Marwin Gonzalez is the same team yes minus slightly good defense and not even that I can't Marwin, even say Mark Marwin was a good defender yeah <laughs> he was that was where he shined he was a multi-positional defender uh, had a batting average of probably points oh seven five, but yeah, yeah, no, it was um, ugly. It was pretty ugly. But if we can get Schwarber back, even if it's just a one year, two year deal, I'm more than happy with that. We you need know? Schwarber back, especially after. Obviously, we'll talk about it later on in the episode. But with everything now happening with the Hunter Renfro trade, we need we need power back in this lineup that is now that is now zapped because of Hunter Renfro's departure from Boston. We need that bat and listen well well there's a chance that Schwarber could look more like the guy he did uh back in Chicago with the lower batting average he still he still has tremendous power and I think that I think that power will play immensely in Fenway Park and he just he has a swing built for the park and I know I, I know so many people say that about so many different guys oh he has a swing built for Fenway Park he has a swing built for Fenway Park Kyle Schwarber was was doing stuff to baseballs that I've never seen done before yes 100 percent he was killing it all right. Um, we claimed a guy named Tim LaCastro from the Yankees. Mm-hmm. 
And you remember the last time we claimed somebody from the Yankees? Yes, Garrett Whitlock. I'm aware. Yes. I listen. So Tim LaCastro, Tim LaCastro, future rookie of the year. That'd be great. Tim LaCastro, the basically what I've seen from him. I don't, I don't really see anything too much with him. Just being honest with you, I, from what I've seen with him, he's, he's a speed guy. That's it. That, that yeah. that's what I've seen with Tim LaCastro. I think he had, I think last year across MLB, he had one of the fastest, like, you know, one of the faster sixty times in in stolen base or like what you know, I think like feet per second like ratio in the MLB. Uh, that that's all I think most people are seeing him as right now, and that's all I imagine that he's going to be. Yeah. The career 231 hitter last year was a 180, uh, five stolen bases last year, two homers, nothing that pops out of the page. Mm -hmm. His nickname is Timmy Lowe. Yeah. I don't like that. Timmy Lowe batting average, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my God. What? It's not wrong. He's part of our team now, damn it. Okay. I can can still be mad at players on the team. (laughs) Martin Perez is gone. Thank God. Uh, he's he's one of those dudes that was just had polar opposite times. He'd pitch great. Everyone would love him. Then you'd look at the end of the year and you'd say, oh, crap. He has a 5.6 ERA. Get the hell out. I, I Here's the thing. I never understood the Martin Perez hype. And maybe that wasn't maybe that was because I didn't watch as much 2020 Red Sox baseball as you know, as a lot as I usually do. And that's mostly because the 2020 season for, for Boston was a train wreck. So I, I was kind of right in doing so, but I, I don't know. I, I always saw people saying, Oh, it's Perez day. It's Perez day. We need to bring back Perez day. I'm like, why do we need to bring back Perez? Like mm-hmm. I never understood why we brought him back in the first place. I was like, okay, if everyone really likes this guy, we brought him back. But I remember I went to go see Perez at Fenway Park. He pitched against the Phillies, got shelled. It was not even close. I mean, yep. Bryce Harper and the Phillies just destroyed him. I And then as soon as we got into the uh, – it, it was the series where where, the, where Valdi got blown up. It was the game where Valdi got, ended up coming in to close, for, to close for us. I think I know what you're talking about. I think it was the Astros game. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And he came – we brought in Nathan Avaldi to close the game out. And Avaldi – you know, kind of was falling apart. And then I see Martin Perez warming up in the bullpen. And I, I say to myself, oh, dear God. We lost. And, and all of a sudden, I, I saw Nathan in, I think, Avaldi led up, I think it was one run, or I think he tied the game is what happened. He either tied the game or he gave up, uh, or we, he ended up giving up a run that put us down by one. Mm-hmm. I then see them bring in Martin Perez. When I tell you, I shut off the TV, and I just went, I just like, did, I did something else. And all of a sudden, I'm just getting the MLB alerts on my phone. One run has scored for the Astros. Three runs have scored for the Astros. And I think they ended up beating us by, what, seven, eight runs, in, yeah. all, all of them being scored in the ninth inning. I, I, I knew. And I, and I knew that was all going to happen because Martin Perez was coming in the game. Listen, maybe he has the chance to rebuild himself and do something else down the line. But I'm all set with that. I don't need another year of Martin Perez. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm all good, too. Uh, breaking news that I just got on my phone. Oh yeah. Uh, breaking news: uh, the Detroit Lions are officially not winless. They won. They won against. Oh no. Kirk, freaking cousins. <laughs> my buddy Tyler is going to jump off a cliff. He's a Viking <laughs> man. He's Mom, gonna go. That man is gonna go walk into traffic later today. I'm, I'm no. I'm about to send you a video 
Okay, I need you to go on the Down to the Wire Instagram page. I'm about to send you a video. This is what your buddy's about to do, all right? Oh, yeah. I can only imagine what he's about to do. Just, uh, just. I'm, I'm sorry for everybody else who's listening to this, but this is important. Give me what's down to the wire. Okay, see what I sent you? No. All right, sending through the Down to the Wire page. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that is what... Um, I'm, I'm actually going to post that my story right now before I forget. Nice. Let me, let me send that to myself. Um, have you seen it? No. It hasn't, come, it hasn't come through. It will at some point, so I'll, right, I'll take keep, a look at it when it keep does. Keep it on your phone. While we're talking, I'm going to post this to my um, to the pesky poll page. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Lions have officially won. That scares me, and they didn't even need my favorite quarterback in the league, David Blau, to do it. <laughs> right. You you know about David Blau. Of course I do. All right. Uh, hold on. Okay, let me let me get to the next guy. I'll let you talk while I post this real quick. Uh, right. Yeah, you're going to have a lot to say about this, Garrett Richards. Yeah, no, Garrett Richards, we can uh, definitely do without. Uh, listen, Richards, I mean, from day one, I just knew Garrett Richards just wasn't a fit in Boston. And when it came to him not having his jacket and feeling cold, out here and saying, oh, I'm I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to wear my jacket. I had to finally buy one for the first time. I'm like, listen, man, you're pitching in Boston. It's going to be freaking cold here. So get used to it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you've been blessed with playing in Anaheim and San Diego for the past, you know, five or so years of your career. That's that's great and all. But guess what? Boston's cold in the springtime and it kind of sucks. Yep. So I'm sorry that you weren't used to that. And I then I tried to warn the minor leaguers about it. I tried to warn them. I'm like, like, what are you guys doing? So, I mean, now I'm seeing him, you know, he ended up having to get moved to the bullpen throughout the year. It wasn't even on the playoff roster originally, and then, but then had to come on because of it. Oh, no, no, it was the opposite. He, he ended up getting injured as soon as he was on the playoff roster. And, man, it was just a train wreck. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I can definitely do without him. And, yeah, he can, from day one, I, I knew the national media was just going to kill him. And, it, and they did, so. Yeah. I, I can definitely do without that guy. So we t- we signed uh, two free agents uh, to minor league contracts, Christian Nunez and Jose Liriano. Mm. Um, we brought back Cutter Crawford, Jeter Downs, and our boy, Josh Winkowski. <laughs> All right. He, future pitcher of the Red Sox. His ETA, his ETA is next year. He's supposed to be in the big leagues next year. Is it really? Yeah, uh, according to MLB.com, his expected time of arrival is 2022. Okay, just I need I, I need to say this on record, and I need you to follow through with me. We need, if that happens next year, when Josh Winkowski is in the MLB, we need to have a full hour podcast that's going to be uploaded to both your and my podcast pages <laughs> of nothing but shitting on Adam. Why? He had no faith in Josh Winkowski. I've been a believer. Okay. He has no faith. He said the he said the Ben and Shenny trade was terrible. It it was it was terrible. What yeah, if we get a major league pitcher and Josh Winkowski for it? All right, Richie uh, Cordero I, can go to hell. I I still th- I listen. You can like you can like you can like this guy all you want. He's still only the twentieth prospect in our system. Like he. He's still higher than what we traded for Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, we he's he isn't even that highly rated yet. So there's still a chance that he could really develop and turn into this guy. But at the same time, he isn't all there yet either. Yeah. Um, uh, we signed free agent pitcher, Michael Walker. Mm. Okay. I, I was, I saw this one and I'm like, no, no. Red Sox fans have a career now since, <laughs> what was it? 2013. Yeah. Of, the world series of 2013 of physically hating on Michael Walker. Yeah. That's and, our thing. And what obliterate. are we supposed to do now? I mean, I, I don't necessarily hate Michael Walker. I, I, and it's really not a hate thing. It's more that it's more that the Red Sox just have a history of, you know, lighting him up typically. I mean, yeah. in game two of the world series, he ended up beating us. But now that, I, I mean, I said it on my show previously, he had immense potential coming into the 2013 season. He was supposed to be the guy that was going to take over for Adam Wayne, right in that, in that Cardinals rotation and lead them into a new, you know, era of dominance. The second era. Yeah. That never happened. Michael Walker never really materialized and has just kind of been a middling pitcher ever since. Yeah. has it, been like a number three for each team. Yeah. I, that that's even saying something. I mean, he, he's more of a four or five, yeah. to be honest with you. He's more of a four or five. And in this rotation, Maybe he has a shot to be a three just because our rotation sucks. So, I mean, there's a chance that he moves into that spot. But, I mean, last year, I think he had an ERA in the fives. I don't really – I mean, for $3 million, it's – I mean, we're paying him less than we paid Garrett Richards to come on this year. So, we paid Garrett Richards $9 million to pitch with the Red Sox and Terrible. suck and have about a five ERA. We're paying him about – we're paying Michael Walk about three. So, if he blows up and is terrible, I mean, it's not like you're – it's not like you're giving him – like a ton of money, you know, you know, spending wise in the major leagues, you are, it's, it's only a $3 million contract, which is a ton, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not, not really it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, exactly. It, it's a doable contract for a guy. So if it does blow up it, I mean, it's at this point, it like, like you said, it's a, it's kind of a, it's you know, a low it, risk thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's low risk, high reward. If, if it, if it doesn't materialize, you can option it. You can option him basically to triple A almost, and you could, you know, get away yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we celebrated the 25 day Red Sox career of Tim LaCastro. <laughs> Moment of silence. Yes. It was a great 25 days. <laughs> now moving on uh, to December, where on December 1st, we had. A good deal happened. <sighs> was so it? Don't don't even say nothing if it's not going to be positive because we will fight. Okay, I'll, I we may have to fight then. The Milwaukee Brewers traded to us Jackie Bradley Jr., David Hamilton, and Alex Benellis. Benellis, that's how you pronounce that. Yes. For Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. Now let me just say, anybody who's been watching this podcast for more than 25 minutes knows that Jackie Bradley Jr. is my favorite person in the league. It's not even close. Mainly because he is what inspired me to or he's what inspired my style of play. Him, Jacoby Ellsbury, and a little bit of Johnny Damon. The two things I focused, I was a center fielder back in high school. The things you focused on, or things I focused on were defense and speed. That's it. My batting average could go to hell, which I eventually I eventually got that back on track, my batting average. But by 
that's what I always was, was a speedy, defensive-minded center fielder. Nothing was getting down if I was in center field. And I got that from watching Jackie Bradley Jr. for four years through high school. You know, and then before that, growing up through elementary school, middle school, it was Jacoby. Man, I love Jacoby Ellsbury. All right, with that being said, this was a great move for Boston. Just like I said, sweet old shot of nostalgia. Your response. Yeah, this move sucks. Yeah, this move. I'm sorry, Rob. This move actually does suck. And let me tell you why. Listen, yeah, I'm sorry, but this is the thing. When it comes I, to I Hunter, don't, I don't put the video out anymore, so I'm legally allowed to get away with this. Okay, yeah, so you're flipping me off on video. That's fine. But listen, this is why this move sucks. If you want to make the if you want to make the argument that Heim is betting is betting the house that Hunter Renfro will never have a season like this again, I'm with you. I agree that Hunter Renfro, you might have re, you might have you know reached the top potential with Hunter Renfro, and this is why. I, I think that, you know, Hunter Renfro average wise is his average is usually in the toilet. And let's be frank, that's usually the case. And I'm I wouldn't have even been opposed to getting rid of Hunter Renfro because you saw what he became in the postseason in the postseason. He turned into a puddle. He wasn't even a factor in the postseason for us. Mm-hmm. So if it if it came to us saying, Hey, we got rid of, rid of Hunter Hunter Renfro, I'm I'm all here for you, man. I'll, I'll say, listen. You know what? He wasn't able to materialize in the postseason, had his ups and downs and, you know, can kind of be in is traditionally a streaky guy. I think that we got the best out of him and, you know, have a, best wishes to you down the line, bud. But listen, this is why this deal is is not good for us. And I'll, and it's more than just reacquiring Jackie Bradley Jr. is then is the problem for me. It's more than just this. When it first uh, first of all, Hunter Renfro is making less money than Jackie Bradley Jr. So if you want to make the case that Heim Bloom is trying to play money ball and is trying to bring and is trying to, you know, get the, get us under the salary cap and make these moves to, you know, make sure we're, you know, financially smart and able to, you know, pick up a guy that we, that we wouldn't be able to, because we're spending extra money. You can't make that argument. Jackie Bradley Jr. Financially is making more money than Hunter Renfro is right now. You can't argue against that. So I don't understand why, why we're doing this. Uh, And then, and then also, we're making this trade for who are the two prospects prospects again? I know Alex Benellas and then the other guy, uh, David Hamilton. Who okay. Look him up. So I, I, I before I, before we even do, I, I kind of have a bit of a background of both. Alex Benellas is kind of a corner is basically a corner left, left-handed hitting infielder who has a chance for tremendous pop at the big league level mm-hmm. His I believe his expected ETA is 2024. He seems like he seems like a promising prospect, but I don't believe he's been above a ball, possibly to double A, but I don't think he's been there. Hamilton on the other end, listen, you can make the case that Benellis is a prospect. Hamilton is a minor leaguer. He is going to be a career minor leaguer, in my opinion. From what I've seen, he is he is basically a Tim LaCastro where he is a speed guy. That's essentially what he's going to be. You know, I mean, the, he just a, got um sorry to cut you off, but he just got um assigned as I'm seeing this right now, right now he is part of the Greenville Drive. Okay. Which, if you're saying he's just David Hamilton's just a speed guy, uh, middle infielder that bats left. First of all, we already have a good middle field middle infielder in yes. um, in Greenville. His name's Christian Koss. Second off, we already have a speed guy who does nothing but speed. I, I love the guy, but he's he's nothing, he's nothing but a speed guy in Cole Brandon. Okay. So we already have both those in Greenville. Yeah, and that's basically what David Hamilton is. I'm sorry. You know, he might be a tremendous guy, could be, you know, 
I, I don't know what, I don't know this guy's background could be a, could be a national hero, but listen, David Hamilton, I, from what I can see is essentially just a guy that, you know, you'll go to Paw Sox games down the line and it'll be like, Oh, there's David Hamilton in his, in his eighth season with, in his eighth season with the Paw Sox or the Woo Sox or the Sea Dogs. Oh, he's like that. He's just that guy that's around the team. Even when he's 36, he's a kind of Castillo. Yeah. Essentially he's going to, he's going to be the pride. He's going to be the pride of Portland. Yeah. Like that, 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 that's essentially it for, for, for David Hamilton. Alex Benellis apparently has some potential. Maybe if, maybe if we're not able to retain Raphael Devers in the future or something happens at first base and we haven't, and we have an opening, maybe Alex Benellis can slide in and be a, and be a guy for us. That's still at least two years away. So there's, so things could go wrong. He could blow it as he could blow it as Achilles. He things could happen down the line that we just can't play out. And again, that's the thing with everybody, mm-hmm. but then, when it comes to bringing back Jackie Bradley Jr., I respect what Jackie Bradley Jr. was able to do throughout his time here in Boston. Mm-hmm. Even even with his one, 198 batting average in the ALCS that won him an MVP award, you can at least say that he was able to come through in the clutch in some moments. Mm-hmm. But let's be frank here. Jackie Bradley Jr. is the worst hitter in the major leagues. Uh, he is. He batted, he batted 163 yeah. last year. Which, I have, which, I ended- which, better than Tim LaCastro. Better than Tim LaCastro, but but I ended up seeing this. So obviously, you know whether you whether you like him or not, Tony Maserati has you know tremendous inside baseball knowledge, and he's able to get some stats. So according to him, there were there were 148 major league out- outfielders who had at least 200 plate appearances in 2021. Among them, Jackie Bradley Jr. ranked 148th in OPS, dead last. Hunter Renfro was 29th. And then, and then he ended up saying he, he he proceeded to quote tweet this and said, expounding upon this, there were 362 positional players with 200 plus plate appearances in 2021. Bradley still ranked last in OPS. He's tr- he's statistically the worst hitter in the major leagues, and we're bringing him back in. And listen, while wait, when I was hearing, oh, we're gonna bring him back in, I was thinking, okay, Kike is going to second. That's gonna be surefire move. But that that doesn't even seem like a sure bet anymore. From what I'm hearing, apparently, they're still thinking on playing Kike in center field, and along with Bradley, and possibly either doing a duo where a kind of a duo setup where you have Bradley playing right field because it's essentially a second center field. Yeah. Or they or what I was hearing too is they would possibly they would possibly uh you know like platoon them based on the handedness of who's going to be playing that day. And I'm just like that, that seems like very I, I don't understand why you would be doing this at this point. Kike is a surefire center fielder. Whether if you want him there or not, then play him in center. He's also a good second baseman. So yeah. when I'm hearing that they're still going to possibly play him in center, if even though you brought back a guy that really can only play center, it makes me worried. And I'm just like, like again, and here's the thing too. I, I, I was talking up Alex Benellis. He again, could be a guy for us, but then again, he, I, I mean, He's the 16th ranked prospect in our system. You're telling me that we gave up a 30 home run guy, regardless of whether his average goes down for the 16th ranked prospect. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think this move yeah. sucks. I mean, listen, if Benellis is a guy, then let's go. But I don't know, man. Let me let me just say, right. The two the two main things. One, you're right. Jackie Bradley Jr. is specifically a center fielder. Center field is his place. Kike is a multi-positional fielder he can play second he can play short he can play center left right he's a utility guy basically with a good batting average so that's why i'm not worried if we need to slide him over to right field or keep verdugo in right field and then play kike and left i'm actually cool with that 
I am too. Yeah. Then, but, right. but then, but why is it Heim saying that? If if there, there's a chance that with with the well, way I'm gonna, hearing, he's gonna it, want to try things out. I mean, Jackie I've, Bradley I've, Jr. knows that outfield in Boston better than anybody has over the past ten years, and you can't even probably the person. Let me see. Uh, there's one. Would, there's one person I think that might know it uh, as well. Who? Well, he uh, we and we shipped him out for a couple guys, and uh, you know, I I think that he knew the outfield pretty well as, as well. Kevin Pillar. Not even close. Who? Are you? Do you have a thick skull or something, man? <laughs> no. Jackie Bradley Jr. knows Boopy that. freaking bets. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. For a second, you, I thought you were talking about Hunter. But. Got a thick skull or something? Come on. <laughs> well, tr- no, I, I, would, I would even argue Jackie Bradley Jr. from a fielding perspective. Obviously not offensive perspective. Don't get me wrong. From a fielding perspective, knows that outfield. Probably better than anybody since maybe Damon. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's even pushing it. That guy mm-hmm. knows that outfield. And plus, he's going to be a great fielder. And I said this in 2017, 2018, 2019. This guy is on this team. And even 2020. This guy's on this team. And his offensive production doesn't matter. Because we have such valuable offensive weapons around him that we can slide him in the eighth spot and nobody gives a shit because we have still even with him being the worst hitter in the league we still have a top 10 batting average because everybody else in the team can still carry it one guy isn't going to kill us that's why i was okay with mawin last year one guy being really terrible in the lineup isn't going to kill us now combine uh marwin with uh bobby dahlbeck really struggling and Michael Chavis while he was here. And yeah, it started to get a little a little scary I, at some I, points. But listen, let me just say right now, with, with Jackie Bradley Jr., I'd I'd take I'd I'd like my odds better with a pitcher. Frankly, I like my bets. I like my I'd I, I think don't, I don't blame you there. I don't blame I'd have better odds sending up Chris Sale to bat. I think I would. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, you could probably take any pitcher in the Red Sox rotation, throw them out there, and I would probably say they have a better statistical chance of getting on base than Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> frankly, I he can't hit. The man mm-hmm. cannot hit, and we we'll, don't and, need him to hit. Okay, we have yeah, you a top you need, ten. You need him to, yes, yeah, I know, and Rob, I know. You need him to play center field. He's thirty-two, though. Like, mm-hmm. and again, thirty-two. You know, I, you know, listen, I'm twenty, and you know, obviously, that's twelve years down the line. Thirty-two. It doesn't look as bad as it did then when I was ten. Obviously, you know, it, it, it's like, listen, you can still do stuff at thirty-two years old, but playing, but roaming a major league outfield and making the insane plays that Jackie Bradley Jr. does. That's not a guarantee that he's going to be able to do that. Obviously, had made some tremendous catches out in Milwaukee last year, mm-hmm. but again, you know that that's something you can do when you're when you're 22, when you're getting into your 30s, you're at, you're starting to exit your physical prime. And the first thing that's going to go, especially with a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., is his speed. At that point, he there is going to be no use for him at the major league level. Yeah, and I you don't remember this is a one year contract. It, no, he it's signed it's, a two it's, year it, with Milwaukee. He's on the last a, year of his deal. No, apparently there is. Uh, this might turn into a two-year. Apparently, oh, apparently uh, uh, from what I was hearing, there's essentially a way that they can manipulate the salary and kind of split it up if they are to pay him over two years instead of one. And they and there's like a weird option in this deal, I believe. Um, I'm not I'm not certain on that, but I there's like a certain type of team option that you can pick up to essentially split the salary. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's. Hold on, let me read this. Uh, including, 
an annual set of $12 million in 2022, $9.5 million. Okay, so there's a possibility that he can earn $12 million in 2023. Yes. But I think that comes with a mutual both cl- uh, it's both clubs have the option of I think if they do accept it though there's a chance that like they can do something with this year's salary and manipulate yeah. it into being guaranteed money or salary yeah. cap it stuff says if you do it at a certain if you do it at a certain point if you let them go next year it comes with an eight million dollar buyout so it's a, it's a two-year deal yeah right. it's a two-year deal and I, I I I can't do JBJ for two years I'm sorry I can't do it you, you have no hope yeah I I don't I, I don't have any set with you Mr Cobb. he's He's 32 years old. I'm sorry. I don't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he, I don't think the man is going to learn to hit now unless he's injecting steroids into, into his ass. I don't think it's going to happen. And even then, even then, you know, what, whether you want to rail against some of the biggest steroid era users of their time, you know, steroids doesn't help you hit the ball. It helps you hit it further, but it, it you know, you still have to be able to physically connect with the ball. Jackie Bradley Jr. can't even do that. I was I was listening to sports talk radio the, the, other, the other day and and they basically ended up saying, you know, if you want to speed up the game, once Jackie Bradley Jr. gets to two strikes, you should basically just have him walk back to the dugout and it can be an intentional strikeout. It can save it can save the pitcher an extra pitch. Yeah, and it could save about 30 seconds. Basically, you know, you, right, you, you right. can cut some time off the game. There was there was a couple other guys that we got Rich Hill and James Paxton, I believe it was, but yeah. Um but we got to skip those. We we were running along on that anyway. Yeah, I mean, somebody, if you want if you if quick take Paxson Paxson could be a big could Paxson could work out for us I think has some good potential obviously he's dealt with injuries over the past couple of years Rich Hill don't really like the move because listen let let's be frank he was old when he last pitched for the Red Sox the man is ancient now and he's not like Max Scherzer who can you know fire the ball at ninety seven uh, you know can fire the ball ninety seven miles an hour at his age Rich Hill is a ground ball you know off speed pitcher and I don't think it's going to be able to work at at this point I if I, I I'll frankly be surprised if he's able to make the major league roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to move on to the lockout. Yes. Okay. So this is the fourth official lockout in MLB history. It's an, and it's and it's also the ninth work stoppage. It's the ninth work stoppage. And for those of you who, um. There's actually – sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, for those who don't know the basics of the lockout, um, it's just a dispute between the um, the CBA bargaining agreement, the owners, and the players, mm-hmm. right? And apparently there's a class at Nova Southeastern University, which is baseball law, and now I really want to take that class because that's <laughs> easy, eh? Uh, so this professor basically says, uh, when in a strike worker tells management we're not going to show up, but either way, the factory or the business comes to a standstill because the workers are not there. So the players are refusing to work right now unless some of their um, and some of their demands are met. Now, this is this is rolling a lot over from 2020. Yes. Where in 2020, when we had the COVID shortened season, we really, really had to cut back on games. Players lost two thirds of their salary. And it was just a whole mess from yeah. both sides, the owners and the players. And mm-hmm. that I think just really boiled over to this cost of give me some, give me some knowledge on what you know. All right. So basically what I've seen from the work stoppage is the, there's, 
there's some potential financial changes that they want to make and some also on the field changes that they want to make as well. So from a financial standpoint, there's talks, at least on the owner side of lowering the salary, you know, cap level. Obviously, there's not a cap, but there's like but there's a certain threshold that you once you go above that, you go into the luxury tax. So they, they're thinking about lowering that level. I believe it's from 210 down to 185 is what they're thinking about lowering that down to. Yeah. And then on the on-field situation, they're thinking about possibly adding a universal universal DH full-time. Mm-hmm. They have been thinking about uh, the pitch clock, and they've also been thinking that, – that I think is more on MLB side. And then one thing that I've heard that I don't think you'll end up seeing it, but it's something that has been talked about from a from a from a major league baseball side of trying to get more offense into the game is moving the mound back. Yeah, and because, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if you've heard about all of those, but those are some of the uh, some of the places that they're trying to meet. But uh, the majority of it, it isn't actually about uh, changes changes to the game. It's more about salary. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, this has been um, last year. Hold on, let me look. Let me look up this um, MLB total batting average by year. I I remember seeing this because I talked about this in a episode. I believe this was the third worst batting average. Like since like, the dead, since like the dead ball era. Uh, this was, let me look. It is tied for the one, two. It's tied for the fifth worst ever. Mm-hmm. And it's, and like I said, the only, the only, the worst one was in 1968. And I believe the year after, did they move the mound? Uh, they may have, I think they lowered the mound is what they did. Yeah, so they, okay. they lowered it. Like, I mean, some of these, I mean, just to put it in perspective, this season had the same batting average as they did in 1885, (laughs) where they had a 244 average batting average. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, the strikeout rate between the two is different. Yes. Uh, So strikeouts... Uh, yeah, this is strikeout per nine. In 2021, we had 8.68 strikeouts, which basically struck out an inning. Yes. You know how many strikeouts they had in 1884 with the same or 1885? Like, like half. 1.8 <laughs> strikeouts per nine innings. Well, I mean, you can also kind of equate that too to most guys, you know, throwing about 60 miles an hour at the time. Yeah. It's a little bit easier Maybe. to hit. We got, we got like 12-year-olds who can – who can top that? Yeah. You know, which, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really comparing apples to oranges here, but I just found that, funny, <laughs> you know, but uh, some of the other things I found were, um, well, they were already in agreement of getting rid of the man on second and extras. Yeah. I'm glad about that. Cause That's that was a, freak, that was a freaking stupid rule. That rule. Yeah. That just ruined the integrity of relief pitchers, bat um, ERAs. Yeah. And it just said, and even if they were to get out of it, you're just giving the relief pitcher a problem that he didn't create. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, yeah, relief pitchers do that all the time where they need to come in and shut down. But it wasn't even their teammates' fault. It's just a rule saying, hey, you're stuck with a guy on second. F you and have a nice day. Like, Yeah, I, I just really didn't like the move. Uh, it That was obviously a big move. 
uh, from from COVID. What was the other move that they were pledging to get rid of? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. See... That was the big one that I saw. Yes. Um, but other than that, um, some of the other disputes, kind of like you said, um, players being able to leave their team earlier. Like, mm-hmm. if you get drafted to the Royals and you're a good player and you're in the MLB by 21 years old, you don't want to be stuck with the Royals until you're 27 mm-hmm. or 26 when they <laughs> then trade you off for two prospects so you can spend a half a season losing in the World Series with the Dodgers and then moving on with your life. Yeah. You know, because that's that's what the MLB – and that's that's one of the main problems I have with the MLB right now. And basketball is kind of the same way. In basketball, you are stuck with your team that drafted you for seven years mm-hmm. minimum, or technically five, five years minimum, unless you demand a trade, which as a rookie on your rookie contract, you don't really have the leverage to do that. Yeah, John but, Elway had his, John Elway was able to do that. That's a, that's NFL. I'm talking NBA. I know, but you, you'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, guys can still get, I mean, uh, Eli Manning was another one, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but yeah, and NBA and MLB are different. You're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And you're basically eating ramen noodles out of a can for seven years. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, we're going to pay you $500 million. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just I just find that really weird. At least the NBA, you're getting paid millions of dollars right from the jump. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. listen, while I can... While I can appreciate some of the areas of where the players are coming from, I think that the minor leaguers obviously kind of get a really bad deal with how they get paid. And mm-hmm. and even with middling talent as well and mid to low guys that, you know, fill out the bottom of the roster, they kind of get a bad deal. But yeah. the majority of guys that drive the players union anyways are the big spenders. Like you're, you're not getting, you know, like a below average guy that's, you know, making these that, that are making these decisions. Yeah. And when the lockout came about, I saw both MLB and the Players Union. They released individual state statements saying, "Hey, this isn't our fault. Uh, look at the other guy. He was the one. They, they're the they're the ones really, you know, make really causing this lockout. They're the ones being immature. As as if I'm going to pick a side of who yeah. I of who I'm mad at. I I don't give a fuck. There's no <laughs> baseball being played. I know it's the off season, but if this continues for the next four months and there's no baseball being played in April, I'm suing." Yeah, listen, Rob, I, I don't care who is at fault here. I don't care who is – I don't care who you want me to blame. I blame both of you equally, and I think yeah. that both of you should suffer as a result of it. And I, I think that I think that Rob Manfred is culpable. I think the Players Union is I culpable. Think, I, I think, think that, Rob, Rob Manfred needs to take a long walk off a short pier. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean I, I saw something the, the other day. I saw – actually it was today, and it someone ended up saying what Rob Manfred is doing – what Rob Manfred has done to the game has been more detrimental than what Pete Rose has ever did. Yes. And frankly, I have to agree. He has completely destroyed the integrity of the game. He has no interest in growing the game and basically has, you know, just made, made the sport just uh, basically. He care. No, he doesn't, he doesn't care. care. He, he sees, he sees the opportunity for, for money, but then absolutely squanders it and basically has allowed for zero growth within, within the mm-hmm. game. Yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's been ridiculous. Yeah. and again, no, I, no marketability for your best players if they're not in a big market. Yeah, for and example, again, Trout. I, I think he yeah. finally learned his lesson with Shohei, but yeah, I mean, at the, at, at the same time, though, I also blame I also blame the players' union because I I see 
you know, I see billionaires and millionaires arguing with each other over, over, you know, because frankly, at the end of the day, I don't think this is over like these middling contracts. I think this, that these are, that these are stars over arguing over how much they should make an owner saying that we don't think you should make is that you should make 8 million. We think that you should make 5 million. And, you know, guys are arguing over this. And while that is a big deal at the end of the day, as the average fan seeing this and knowing that, and knowing that, Hey, there's this guy making more money in a day than you'll make in a year and more and he's making more in a in a year than you'll make in a lifetime it it's really hard for you to be sympathetic to a cause i'm yeah. sorry no 100% that's 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 kind of where i'm like all of us who are your average mlb fans are you know we sit here we work our 9 to 5s and we we call it that some of us have like careers and stuff but none of us are making that kind of money yeah, no. You know, Listen, so it's hard and, to be sympathetic when a star player is out here saying, "Oh, I'm only getting paid, you know, five million dollars from my club when I deserve to be making fourteen million. Oh, like, oh, I'm so sorry that you need to go cry on your bed made of money. And listen, I, I'm not, I'm not discouraging these guys from trying to get paid. Again, that's you're in the MLB and you are able to do that. I'm not discouraging. Yeah, go get, go get your bag. I'm, but when you're trying to cry to me and, and 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 basically say, hey, we need your help to help us do this, and you know you should feel bad for us. I'm like, I don't. I really don't. I think that there are bigger issues going on in the world than me caring about than me caring about you getting your millions. You're right to do so, but when you're trying to get me on board with it, I just can't get there. Mm-hmm. The one thing, the one thing I could say, and we'll go on to our last topic um, after, is. A lot of the players like Trevor May and a couple others coming out and changing their social media pictures into that like faceless Joe Random face. I, I like that. that that's actually that, been that's actually that was that. actually like a petty move that was so funny. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that I think the pettiness should continue. I mean, I don't want it to get to the point where the sides can never talk with each other, but at the same time, you know, I I I want I want it to be a slow burn for the MLB. I want the fans to be able to enjoy the successes of another MLB season, but I want Rob Manfred to feel it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if they if they can't get this thing under control, and if it gets to the point where they try to do something, I wouldn't. I'd love to see fans like boycott a game. I'd love to see people just show up to a game and 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 you know, because with the way they've screwed us over, if this goes into the regular season and it goes and it takes you know. Even a, even a couple games off, I I would love to see a majority of fans for the first opening day game where they're trying to get people in, just not buy tickets and give them and it will never happen. It will never you obviously happen. Yeah, you can't get that many people. It, but I, I nothing would entertain me more than to see that happen and basically to just to just see this MLB ballpark filled up filled up with the players and the owners and just having to see their their pro, their product go to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's go through. We're gonna lightning round these because we're almost an hour in. Go, go nuts. So, we're gonna lightning round some of the MLB transactions. If there's any I miss at the end, I'm just on ESPN and I'm starting from November 17th. Mm-hmm. So, if there's any beforehand, we'll, we'll look at. But I'm gonna ask you each of your opinions on these. First, no Synagard, one year trial with the um, Angels. Success. I mean, it's going to be, I think that's a good move for the Angels. It's, uh, you know, they're paying, I think, about 20 mil. I, I like the move. Uh, Jose Barrio, seven-year contract. My thoughts on it, just in, uh, just off that, I think it's seven years. What What's the what's the price again on that? Uh, let me look. It I think it's about says, a, Let me 
Superheroes. I love how it doesn't have a picture on Google of them. Uh, 131 mil guaranteed. Yeah, I, I I love that deal. I mean, to get him for that kind of a for that kind of a price, it that's a good deal to get Jose Barrios at, and I think the Blue Jays were smart to do so. I that that's an amazing deal. Contracts. There's just every single transaction like ever, including minor league guys. So I got to kind of mm-hmm. sort through the rubble. Uh, Harold Ramirez. No one cares about hand Ramirez. I don't know who that is. Uh, Nick Plummer. Who the hell are you? Uh, <laughs> Wander Franco. Eleven-year contract. Yeah, that was awesome. I That's mean, good for him. Race. I mean. That man is younger than me and making more money than I ever will in my lifetime. Yeah. How old is he? He's 19. He's 20, but he, but he's two years younger. He's two months uh, younger than me. Jeez, that's so crazy. And plus it's such a good deal for both sides. It really is. Even, even if that deal plays the entire way out, Wander Franco's only 31. Mm -hmm. He has enough to get another five year big contract. Yes. You know, he just acquired the bag for the rest of his life so that him his kids and his kids' kids don't have to worry about money ever. Too bad he's playing in that shitty stadium, though. Oh, yeah, that – we don't talk about that. I think they had to factor in some money into basically saying, hey, you want to play in this fucked-up stadium? You Go nuts. Um. Oh, we forgot about one Red Sox thing that I'm seeing here. Uh, Red Sox agreed on a one-year contract with pitcher Ryan Brazier. <laughs> Your All thoughts? right. <laughs> Your thoughts? That's kind of just a shoulder shrug. It's like, all right, I mean, it's not a bad deal. I mean, let's see how it plays out. I don't, I really don't know. I mean, he literally just came back for the postseason last year. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it can turn into something. We'll have to see. Uh, Kevin Plawecki back with the Red Sox on a one year. We forgot about that one too. I like that deal. It's a solid backup catcher. I don't I like mind that, that one. I don't mm-hmm. like Brazier, but I like that one. <laughs> uh, Byron Buxton to the Twins, seven years. Yeah, for like a hundred mil, not not yeah. that's not a bad deal whatsoever. I mean, Buxton never really materialized into the top prospect MLB had him originally supposed to be. I remember, you know, it was after Bogarts made his debut with the Red Sox and had a great rookie campaign in 2013. I was like, I remember I was watching the countdown. And I, I was like, I was like, well, Xander Bogarts obviously has to be above Byron Buxton now because you know he's at least made his major league debut. He's proved what he can do in a World Series. And I remember they still had Xander Bogarts at two, and they had Byron Buxton as the number one ranked top prospect in Major League Baseball. I was like, "What?" I, I, and so I remember seeing that, I, and I and I remember just being, I remember just being like, "All right, Byron Buxton just has to be the guy." Then, and you know, he's been a solid Major League player, has been able to be a, been able to be decent with the Twins for this amount of time. But end of the day, you know, he's fine. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. Let's go on to. Uh, do you have anything to say about the Mariners and Andres Munoz on a four-year? Nothing on Andres Munoz, but I do have to say something on Robbie Ray. That's a that's a heck of a deal. Uh, we'll get to that one. That's later. Um, the Tex, the Rangers, Marcus Simeon, seven-year, Corey Seager, ten-year, and then yeah. a John Gray to a four-year. How do you grade those? Well, John Gray is really going to be. An, I I think he's just not going to be. I don't even consider John Gray in those two deals just because of how immensely insane the Marcus Simeon and and, uh, and Seeker deals are going to be. I still don't know if they're going to be able to make the postseason with that, though. Let's be exactly. frank. I mean, that's, like, what I was, that's what I was thinking. Do you think that one of those guys, I'm guessing more Seeger, is going to end up in a A-Rod kind of situation? I think it's possible, yeah. I think that they he's, could... 
He's going to say, this team gave me a bag, so I'm going to sign with them. But then I'm going to bitch and complain a year or two into the contract. And I'm going to get my way out of here. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily Seager's persona, but I don't know. I I think that for Seager, who, you know, a lot of people could say he's overrated for, you know, you know, he plays in L.A. He, he kind of gets a little more publicity than, you know, any than the average guy would. I think for him to get that money, it's a pretty solid deal mm-hmm. all around. So you like both those signings? Yeah, I did. Oh, I like both the signings. I just don't know if it's going to, if it's going to, if the Rangers are, if it's necessarily going to be enough to, you know, put the Rangers in contention at any time soon. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Gosman, Blue Jays, five years. Yeah, that's a, that's a great deal. I mean, Kevin Gosman, you know, if it wasn't for Jacob deGrom, you know, early in the year, just shattering records across Major League Baseball, the entire MLB world would have been, you know, focused like a laser on Kevin Gosman. And it's a shame that they weren't because he was having an amazing season with the Giants last year and yeah, just yeah. really got overlooked because of DeGrom's greatness at the time. I think this is a great deal for the Blue Jays. And when you look at their rotation, it now goes Ryu. Uh, you have Ryu, you have Gosman, you have Barrios, and you have Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a filthy rotation. I mean, that's going to give us a fight next year. Yeah, and that, that kind of makes me worried because, Rob, I mean, I remember I would talk to you always about the Red Sox and, and you kind of always – and you were kind of saying, oh, you know, 2022, 2023 could be the year we make a move. I'm like, listen, the Blue Jays are on the rise right now. The Rays are on the rise, whether I like their strategy or not. And then, you know, the Yankees are always going to try to buy their way into the playoffs anyway. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing with us. Yep. Um, where was I? Uh, Stroman, three-year contract, Cubs. I mean, he. I mean, he announced it himself. I think that it'll be a. That was a good thing. Yeah, I, I like that. So I, I think that'll be a good deal for him. I think that uh, the Cubs. I think this. I think that's the most they've spent on a free agent uh, since I think Jason Hayward. Possibly, yeah. it's like it's like the most they've spent on a free agent in forever. So, I, I, I think it's a good move for them. I think that they're obviously many steps away from competing again. So it's a you know he's a good pitcher to add to that rotation. I'll be interested to see how he does out in the NL Central, but. All around like the move. Mm-hmm. Um, who was I gonna say next? Yeah, that was that was very JJ Watt esque. <laughs> what he did, where JJ yeah. Watt just posted a picture of him lifting in a Cardinals t-shirt, <laughs> and he said, "Source me." <laughs> like that was very badass. Um, oh, big one. Scherzer, three-year Mets. Big uh, apple. Man. I I still wait, can't. Wait, before you, before you, before you say that, who are you taking? DeGrom and Scherzer or Pedro Schilling? I mean, listen, if Scherzer still has it and he can just do that thing, I mean, and and if DeGrom can stay healthy because that's always been a thing for him, that's then you might have to give it to DeGrom and Scherzer, but the the, the thing that the thing that you could always trust with Pedro and Schilling, obviously looking back on history, is that they had that health behind them. Obviously, Schilling not Schilling had to pitch through, you know, having that terrible ankle in the bloody sock game. But for the majority of time, when they were needed to pitch, they went out and they pitched. I think that Scherzer's health, I'm not really concerned about that. It's more Degrom. If he can stay on the field, then they have a chance to be better than that duo. Okay, I got you. But your thoughts on the deal? Three years basically 40 million each year. Yeah. Cohen is Cohen's basically going all in. He is throwing all of his chips on the table and saying, this is that I need to make, I need to make my mark on the city and he's doing it. I really like the move. We don't need to talk about Alex Wood. Corey Kluber, one year with the Rays, deciding to stay in the East and not even touch the Red Sox anymore. 
easy, low risk, n- nice move for the Rays. I, I think that's a great move for them. I mean, you know, it's a solid veteran piece to add to that rotation. He had his ups and downs with the Yankees this year. Don't don't mind that move one bit. Mm-hmm. All right, I got two more for you. First one is a last deal officially made before the lockout. Uh, Chris Taylor, four year with the Dodgers. I mean, great deal. I'm pissed at it though. Cause I think because the Red Sox lost out on Chris Taylor, I think that's what facilitated the Jackie Bradley jr. Trade. Unfortunately, I think that is mm-hmm. the main reason that we saw that go through. I think that if Chris Taylor ends up coming over to Boston, then I see us either, either trading Hunter Renfro for not necessarily another outfielder, but I, I don't see that move necessarily going down. So Kind of pissed at pissed pissed at the Red Sox missed out on him, but for the Dodgers, pretty solid deal. I, and I know it was an undisclosed contract when it was signed. I think that you know they they made a they made a good deal with it. Mm-hmm. Finally, and I mean we still have a lot of good free agents out there that will eventually get signed after the lockout's done. But finally, Javi Baez six year contract, Tigers. Ah, uh, give, give me a give me a letter grade for this one. I mean, letter grade, I mean, L strikeout king, uh, it's a, it's a B minus, I guess. I'm, I'm giving it a C minus. And that's I'll give generous. it, I'll, I'll give it a B minus, I guess. I mean, he, he, Javi Baez brings the flair, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's called El Mago for a reason, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's a good, good player, mm-hmm. but between where the Tigers are in their rebuilding phase. Mm-hmm. And just Javi Baez and how old is Javi Baez now? He's got to be in his thirties, mm, or is he that old? Or am I just being crazy? He is twenty nine. Okay, so this will take him till he's thirty five years old as a shortstop is yeah. what they're paying him to be. So I don't know. I mean, I I I think that half this deal you can essentially be you can essentially be certain that he'll be a guy, but. Javi Baez is one of those guys where it's more athleticism than fundamentals with him. Yeah, but it's it's just like how it was with um, – weren't they paying the back end of Prince Fielder's contract before he went to Texas? Uh, maybe. I believe so. And they were still – they're still paying Miggy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But adding that uh, – Tigers have been a terrible team. They're nowhere near where they need to be in their rebuilds. And just throwing your money in free agency like this – atrocious idea mm. i mean i th- i would have i would have thought it would have been a better deal if they if they had gone after carlos correa maybe they saw javi Baez and saw a cheaper option than you know than spending all your money on on carlos correa because you know wherever correa goes that's going to be a crap ton of that's going to be a huge contract that's going to be a huge contract so i don't know what that's going to look like so i i think that maybe they maybe they just saw the name javi Baez and saw it would it be a cheaper deal so they went for it but i don't know it's it's not my favorite, not, not, not my favorite move. Just just imagine from third to first, Devers, Bogarts, Correa, Schwarber. I think if Correa comes, he's playing shortstop. Bogarts is moving to second. Either way. Doesn't doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. still that that infield is beautiful. Oh yeah, it'd be a great infield. And in and in the outfield we have Kike, Verdugo, JBJ, uh I don't know if I want Correa though, personally. On, 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 on a moral standard, listen, he's a great player, but he's an a-hole, and I don't even think I don't even know if we would see him as our a-hole. Do you, Do you think? Yeah, after after that series and what he did, 
you think he'd still want to come over and switch sides like that? I mean, he's, I mean, he's kind of a snake anyway, so it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. It, yeah. it wouldn't shock me either way. If he was to do something like this, I mean, you know, he was, he was already kind of a he already kind of boasted a big ego after the cheating scandal. So, so for him to do something like this, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me just saying to be frank. Yeah. All right. So that is all we got to say. It's been longer than an hour. You got anything to say to the people before we go? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, I think that it's been a great episode today, man. I'm glad that I was able to come on and talk some socks with you. It's been far too long. And I'm uh, hopefully the next time we do a show that there there is no lockout, but most likely if we do it, if we do a shoot, if we do a show sooner than later, uh, it's not going to be the case. So uh, hopefully hopefully we'll have some news before next week. If not, if not, I'll get an interview out there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just say, uh, I can't say that actually on, I can't do that. I'll tell you off recording. All right. Um, but with that being said to the fans, thank you guys so much. Once again, make sure you follow this beautiful bastard, Mr. Brian Kostiv on his show. You'll find it on Spotify. It's called down to the wire on Instagram. The username is down dot to the wire. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. If, uh, you know, thanks Rob for, uh, for the publicity at, again on Instagram, you can follow us at down dot to the wire and we're available on all, uh, on all, on all streaming platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts, YouTube, so, because we, we also do a simulcast broadcast. Uh, we actually, I, on my last episode, I just interviewed uh Bryant university quarterback, Zevi Ekos. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a great episode. So I hope you guys go check that out as soon as you're done with this. Uh, it's been an amazing time on the show today, and I hope to be back on again soon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you got it. You got to start somewhere with your interviews. Like I said, you know a professional or minor league baseball player, and Mr. Will Dalton, which uh, might be coming back on the show sometime soon. <laughs> spoiler, not spoiler. Maybe we never know. But that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to this hour-long podcast. God bless you guys. See you guys next time. It's the calm before the storm Things aren't as they were before You best start bracing Did you think you could keep us out? Shut the gates, forget us now The tides are changing Us now we're not back in time to what we're doing. Things don't bother to change this evolution. Once you shake the ground, you feel it moving. We have the revolution. Can you hear the sound?
Shake the ground, you feel it moving with the revolution. 